good morning once again, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday morning digital cathedral. Uh, if you have your Bible nearby, you might want to grab it. We're going to look at a number of scriptures today. Let me just remind you what we're doing today. I wanted to start the first two weeks of this new year just doing some very basic Grace 101. Just going back to the foundations, back to the basics, back to the blocking, running, and tackling, the running, throwing, and hitting of sports, the, the fundamentals, because sometimes we forget, we really do, where we've come from and how far that we have come. And we get so entwined in some of the deeper things that are going on today and some of the newer revelations that the Father is bringing to the, to the forefront, which are awesome and wonderful, and I love to spend time in them. But I never want to forget what grace is all about because grace is the doorway. It's the entry into everything else that God does. Once you, once you get grace nailed down and you understand who you are and what you have and what you possess and what he created you to be, you can never hear it enough. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So the more that the Father speaks a word to you that shows who you are and what your identity is uh, and what the basics of grace are all about, the deeper it goes into your life and the deeper it sinks into your spirit. Paul, Paul was always concerned that the, the churches that he was writing letters to, whether it was uh, the church at Galatia or Ephesus or Philippi, that they would remain solid and steadfast in the basics. In fact, Paul wrote in the first chapter of Galatians, he had just been there and religious people had followed up and had tried to undermine the work of Paul. So here's why it's important, because sometimes even unconsciously, we give an ear to that which is really not the gospel of grace. And Paul said it like this. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Paul called whatever he did not teach, the revelation that he had that he brought to the Gentiles, he, he called it another gospel. And he says in verse 7, which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. <clears throat> Man, we spent years and years in a perverted message. I, and looking back, I think you can see that easily. When you're on this side of the fence and you're looking back at the other side of the fence, you can see uh, a lot of the uh, illusions and delusions that we put up with for a lot of years. We didn't know it. We were ignorant of it. And he goes on in verse 8 and says, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So Paul says, let's narrow this down to one gospel. So last week, what we did, and I thought it was pretty interesting. I had a lot of fun with it. And I want to finish it up this week. We took a look at this grace culture that is emerging worldwide. It has become, when, when I first started teaching this 20 years ago, I had no idea that it would grow as rapidly worldwide as it has grown. It's like nothing we've ever seen within the body of Christ who is the church. What's, what's, what's amazing about this, think about it with me, what's amazing about it is that we don't have buildings. Now there are some solid grace uh, fellowships, groups of people, the church that meet in a building, which is fine, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, there is one here in Houston. If you're in the Houston area, you need to go to God's house. It's on the west side of Houston, up off Highway 6 and Clay Road. That's the only church I know in this entire city that preaches an undiluted message of grace. But overall, this whole, this whole awakening is not confined to a building. It has no headquarters. Think about that. It's not, it's not coming from a higher echelon down 
to, to folks. It's kind of, this is a totally grassroots move. People that don't have a PhD, that don't got a college education or whatever, they're the ones that are catching this revelation. There's no superstars in this move. Have you noticed that? I don't know of any grace teachers that, that teach a pure grace message, a pure hyper grace, radical grace message that fly around on jet airplanes. That, there's no superstars. No, no one's getting rich on this message, absolutely for sure. And there's no geographical boundaries to it. It's touching every corner of the world. Now, last Sunday morning, we looked at four words that I think, I think describe our culture. And words are important. And the lens through which you look at a word defines your outlook. So we're, ta we're, we're talking about words that, yes, we saw these words back in our day of religion, but we looked at them at a different lens than how we look at them now. So what I did last Sunday is I contrasted four words uh, uh, that religion uses and four words that are the same words that we use in the grace culture, but they're entirely different based on the perspective that Paul gave us. And that's really what we're going back to. This whole grace awakening is nothing other than going back to the rudiments, the roots, the radical, the root from the Latin word root, back to what Paul taught the early church. Words are extremely important. How we define words and how we use them can either bring life or death to the message that we're teaching. They can bring life or death to the understanding that we have. Let me just hit, show you an example. Let me hit the four words that we talked about last week and show you how they can either bring life or death. First word we talked about last week that's prevalent in a grace culture is the word unconditional love. Now, unconditional love with conditions brings death. When you put a condition on unconditional, like God loves you if you're obedient, uh, God loves you if you trust him, uh, God loves you first, uh, or, or, or God will love you if you love him first and he will love you, he will reciprocate your love. All those things we wove into religion and they were part of that culture. So when we talk about unconditional love, for some people it's a trigger because it takes them back to where they were told if they didn't obey, uh, if they didn't follow closely, if they didn't keep the rules, if they didn't love God first, and we pulled that Old Testament scripture out um, that if you pursue God with all your heart, that he will respond to you. Uh, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, will, and emotions, you know, and then he will reciprocate. When the actual truth is, unconditional love in a grace culture has absolutely no, no conditions. That brings life to it. But unconditional love can breed death if you attach a condition. The word unconditional forgiveness can, can bring death if to forgiveness you attach a sin consciousness. What I mean by that is, if you put some stipulation that you have to meet in order to be forgiven, he forgives you if you beg and plead long enough at the altar, cry enough big crocodile tears and ask him to forgive you and you repent, tell him how sorry you are, he may forgive you. That's not unconditional forgiveness. Unconditional forgiveness says that all sins we're totally obliterated at the cross. Sin is not an issue anymore. Sin is not an issue. Does that mean sin does not have a kickback? Of course not. You do, if, you, if you rob the bank, you're going to prison, right? There is within the seed, the, the wages of sin is death. You do, the, you do the deed, you gotta do the time, and you can't get out of that. But from God's perspective, there's no condemnation. There's no guilt charged to it. It is unconditional forgiveness. 
The father said, your sins and your trespasses, I will remember no more. He, he has no clue what you're talking about when you go to him and talk about all of your sin. Right? So it can be death or life based upon if you make a stipulation to receive the unconditional forgiveness. How about the word union? That was the third word we talked about. Union can, can bring death if there's something you must do to come into union with the Father. You have to pray a prayer, you have to have a certain belief, your theology has to be this way, or it can be life if you know that you have always been in union with him from the very beginning. Acceptance was the fourth word we looked at. And acceptance can bring death once again if you have to do something to be accepted. Let me ask you this morning, do you think there is something that you have not done yet in order to be accepted by the Father? If you feel that you have yet to do something to be accepted by him, then you have fallen back into grace or fallen back into works and out of grace. That's what true backsliding is. Paul said you fall out of grace when you go back under the law. But the word acceptance can bring life if it's based not on what you do, but if it's based solely and entirely on what he has done. That's the, that's the total emphasis between grace and the religion that all of us, most all of us here at the Digital Cathedral came out of. I had a message this week from a man that said, I'm, I'm following your teaching, but I don't have a religious background, but I'm, I'm having to make some changes in my thinking. Man, I'll tell you what, I admire that man. He does not have all the trash to work through that most of us have had to work through. So we looked at those four words last week. So when we use them in a grace culture, they all, they all carry the thought of grace, that it's not what we have to do, it's what he's done. Now there's six more words I wanna look at this morning. So stick with me to the very end because this is Grace 101. But I wanna take these, I wanna make sure these 10 words get planted deep within your spirit so that when you speak, you're speaking out of the abundance of a heart that is filled with grace and unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness, a union, acceptance, and the other six words we're gonna talk about today. All right, there's another word that we used in religion that has an entirely different connotation in a grace culture. It's the word holy. Holy, the gospel of grace is the proclamation that in Christ you are holy. In fact, in fact, you'll never be more holy than you are this morning. You'll never be more holy than you are this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 says that he chose us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So that's how he sees you. Totally how he sees you. Now religion, we taught holiness or sanctification, uh, based upon your behavior. The, you had to touch the right bases. You couldn't drink, smoke, chew, even run with folks who do, that old say. So it was, it was based on, on behavior modification. Holiness, the word holiness really comes from the idea of being whole or absolutely perfect. When we talk about holiness, we're talking about the wholeness of God. God is unbroken, he's undamaged, he's, <clears throat> he's not fallen into anything. And so when he looks at us as blameless and holy, Ephesians 1.4, then he's looking you, at you completely the same way. He sees you whole. 
it, sozo, the word salvation, means wholeness. So when we come into salvation, when, when we're awakened to salvation, it means we're awakened to our wholeness. So it's a discovery. I'm discovering today how whole I really am. When, when you hear with your mind, and it's usually fed by religion, you sit in church week after week and you're hammered and you're condemned and told you're, uh, you're broken, you have an endemic nature, you're worthless, uh, you're never going to be measured up. Uh, when you hear that, that you're a mess, that's essentially what it's saying, you're a mess. And then turn around and tell, and we hear how whole, holy God is, and then we look at us that we've just been told what a mess we are, we see this wide gap. And so we feel less than nothing. We feel totally unworthy. Uh, but that's not how the Father views us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Let, let, me, let me read that. I think I might be misquoting that. Let me get over here. I, I remember the, the, the verse, uh, Hebrews 12, 14. I think I'm misquoting that. I think that's a verse I use a little later. 12, 14 says, peace with all people. Here we go. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Boy, I used to use that scripture to beat the tar out of people. Let them know they were not holy enough. You, that's why you're not seeing God. That's why you're not hearing from God. That's why you're not getting revelation. It's because you're not holy enough. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, here's the deal. He's already made you holy. He has made you whole. Therefore, you, you have full access to him. You can, you can see him exactly. When you know that you're whole, you know that you have then tapped in to the wholeness of God, and that becomes your identity. This is really an issue of identity. Wholeness is an issue of identity, how you see yourself. Do you see yourself broken this morning? Do you see yourself uh, a mess? Do you feel under condemnation? Do you feel guilt? And then you, do you see God as being this, this holy deity, this entity that is off in the sky somewhere? And so there's this huge, there's this huge disparity between how you see you and how you see him. Let me tell you this morning, there's no disparity between the way the Father sees himself and he sees you. That becomes your identity. This is why it's important that you see yourself holy or whole, W-H-O-L-E. I want you to see yourself whole this morning. That identity affects your behavior. Behavior always follows identity. It's important that we train our children to know that they are whole, that they're not broken, they're not ignorant, they're not dumb, they're not stupid, they're not, they don't need to be told they'll never amount to anything. That, that creates their brokenness. And so that's their identity. And the reason your kids have acted up in many instances is because we have fed a wrong identity into them. I have learned through experience that behavior always follows identity. When I used to go down to the county jail from, from time to time, I would teach the prisoners their wholeness. And oftentimes they would break down and weep and cry because nobody ever told them that they were whole. Nobody ever told them they were right with God. All they had heard all their life from their parents, their peers, judges, teachers, is that how bad they were, how messed up they were. And so they acted that out. They saw themselves that way. You will act out your identity. And if your identity is broken, if your identity is condemned, if your identity is a mess, you'll act it out. So 
This word holy is extremely important in a grace culture, and it's absolutely contrary to the way religion taught us. Religion taught us that it's something we could never attain to, but we would continually strive to so that God would be pleased with us, that God would look on us with favor. He's the only one that could put Humpty Dumpty back together again, and he put all of us back together again perfectly because we were never broken. We thought we were broken. But the spirit of truth has revealed to us that that brokenness was a wrong identity. All right? Number six. Number six is the word righteous. That's another word that religion and a grace culture uses entirely different. The gospel of grace is not a list of things that you must do to become righteous. It's the announcement that righteousness, all the righteousness that you'll ever need, to live, operate, enter into the kingdom of God is a free gift that already belongs to you. It has been directly deposited into your life. You are already righteous, just like holy. You will never be more righteous than you are this morning. Righteousness, righteousness uh, refers to a right standing with God. That's what righteousness is about. It's a right standing with God. Back in my religious days as a pastor, I would teach people what they had to do to become righteous to attain right standing with God. You know, you don't go to the movies, you don't drink, you don't swear. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, we had a myriad of things that would create a righteousness, and what it created was a self-righteousness and a judgmentalism toward those that were doing the things that we felt you couldn't do to be righteous. Created a tremendous them and us uh, environment. Now, when you come into a grace culture and we see ourselves as righteous, we can then begin to see other people as righteous. This, this word is very important in a grace culture because it's not something we achieve or attain. It's an understanding of who we already are. In, uh, in what is it, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, I think it is, that says, Jesus became for us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. He already became that for us. So you tag on to what, to what he became, and when you tag on to what he became, you understand that that's your standing also. That's who you are. That's your, again, this is an identity question. See, grace doesn't close our eyes to sin. People, people think, well, you know, you're just telling everybody they're righteous, so uh, grace lets you just sin and do whatever you want to. No, grace doesn't close your eyes. Listen to me. Grace does not close your eyes to sin. Grace awakens you to righteousness. Tremendous difference. Religion had it backwards. Religion thought that if we could be righteous, then, then we would awaken to the goodness that God had for us. A grace culture takes that and flips the script. A grace culture says, you already have had grace extended to you, and because of that grace, you are already as righteous as you'll ever be. You're fully righteous. Jesus was made it for us. Wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 34 says, awaken to your righteousness. Awaken to righteousness. It doesn't say become righteous or put righteousness on. It says simply awaken to righteousness and sin not. So when your identity is righteous, then you don't live out of that, that mentality of, of sin, which is a false identity. Unrighteousness creates a false identity. And so you don't live out of that any longer. See, discipleship, we've missed the boat on discipleship. Discipleship is not about uh, uh, behavior. 
Discipleship is about awakening men to who they already are. And I wish I could go back at all the discipleship classes I taught and, and uh, headed up back in my pastoral days inside a building, the hundreds and thousands of people that, <clears throat> that were discipled. I wish I could go back and let them know that it's not about learning what the church believes so that you can become a clone. Discipleship is about awakening people to who they are and who they've always been. Discipleship is not about some potential of becoming that you can hope to aspire to someday. It's about awakening to who you already are, all right? Word number seven, here's a huge word. Has one meaning in religion, another connotation in a grace culture. It's the word died, big word, the word died. The gospel of grace, as I said earlier, is not a behavior modification program for bad people where you're trying to kill the flesh you're trying to destroy your old nature. It's the declaration of a new life for those that have died in Christ, right? And we all died in Christ. Saint, um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 says, you were crucified with Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says that if one died for all, then all have died. Colossians 3.3 says that you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So all those scriptures are referring to the fact you've already died your death. You're not trying to kill you. You're not trying to kill your old nature. You're not trying to kill the old man. And you have arisen to life. 1 Peter 1.3 says that we have been uh, begotten again, or the word is ananageo, it means to be born again. You were born again through the resurrection of Christ. So you died with Christ and you were born from death to life in Christ at the resurrection. So it's not something you're, you're trying to attain to. You're not trying to kill yourself. That old man that you perceived you had, that old behavior pattern, whatever you want to ascribe to an old man, died at the cross. Your death with him at the cross severed your connection to anything that had to do with the old Adam, with the first Adam. First Adam does not live anymore. Scripture says Jesus was the last Adam. Now think about it. If Jesus was the last Adam, then there could be no more Adam after Jesus. Jesus went to the cross as the last Adam. He went to the cross as the last Adam, and he resurrected as the firstborn from death to life. And you were born in him, as him, with him, from death to life. See, only, only when you know, when you, when you accept the fact that you have died, can you know that you're alive. If you're, still, if you're still trying to fight the flesh, trying to crucify the old man, you will never live. You will never live. <clears throat> I have so many of my pastor friends and, and folks that are trying to, to uh, kill the flesh. Let me, let me read something for you out of the Amplified. I got my Amplified over here. Let me reach over and grab it. I want to read... Uh, Romans chapter 6 out of the Amplified, because this, this says it so well. Watch this, Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to read a few verses here, so just stick with me. Don't leave me today, because I want to end this message with, with four important points that I don't want you to miss. All right, let, let me read this for you out of, out of the Amplified. Uh, this is Romans chapter 6. I want to read verses 6 to 11. Now watch. He says, we know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. You are not a slave to anything. 
You're totally free today. There is not an encumbrance from any old person you thought you were. There is no weight. There's no bondage. Grace, as grace takes us deeper, it shows us some of the cords and bonds that we still have on us. Because every level you go to reveals something more that you can probably abandon so that you can be more free. And that's what this message is about. For the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power of sin. Did you die with Christ? You were crucified with him. One died for all, all died. You died, your life is hidden. You died. For if that person has died with Christ, he has been freed from the power of sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live together with him. This is good stuff, brother. This is grace 101. But you need to hear this every once in a while. Verse 8, verse 9, because we know the self-evident truth that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will never die again and neither will you. Watch. Death no longer has power over him and death, I'm pointing at you this morning, death has no power over you. Absolutely none. And not just physical death, but anything that would, would create a sense of disconnect from an eternal source of life has no power over you. Verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin, ending its power and paying the sinner's debt once for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to glorify God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and your relationship to it broken, but alive to God in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Brother, I could preach those five verses for the rest of my life. That is so packed with truth. To the degree that you see that you died this morning, that you're willing to let go, to that degree, to that level, you're walking in newness of life. If you still feel there are areas of your life that you're living it out, or you know that you're attached to things, you're not enjoying the life you can enjoy. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. <clears throat> Let's not shortchange ourselves in the life that we have. Word number, word number eight is new, the word new. Two different connotations in religion and in a grace community. The gospel of grace is not the hope that we can extend this broken down life indefinitely. It's the announcement that in Christ the old is gone and everything has become new. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Have I convinced you enough over these months and even years that you are in Christ right now? That you've always been in Christ. You were ignorant of it. You didn't awaken to it. But he put you in Christ before the foundation of the world. That grace was extended to you, he told Timothy, before time began, before the foundation. He told the church at Ephesus the same thing. See, he's delivered you, Colossians 1.13. He's delivered you from the power of darkness. You're out of that. There is, there is nothing that darkness has to pull on your life with. He has delivered you from the power of darkness. So how does darkness get its power? We give it. We, we, we extend power to darkness. Anytime that you recognize it, give an ear to it, give place to it, it gets strength. It has none of its own. Just, just conceptually, think of this. If the whole world walked in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, if the whole world didn't see anybody after the flesh, 
Do you think what we have called the devil would have any power? None at all. We've empowered this thing in our thinking and in our minds. He's delivered you from the power of darkness. And he's translated. I love that word translate because that's a, that's a picking up and a moving. He's translated you <clears throat> into the kingdom of his son. So where are you today? Are you 50-50? Are you 75-25? Uh, are you 10% in the kingdom of darkness and 90%? No, not at all. You're totally out of that kingdom and you're into this kingdom. You are a new creation. You became a new creation again at the resurrection. Now we're just awakening to it. It's not a mixture. You're not a mixture person. That's, that's a lie of religion that has tried to keep you ensnared, saying, well, you know, you're out partway, but you got to keep working. You got to keep striving at it. No, that's not the truth. The new is based on what he has done as us, not what we do to try to become like him. I'm not walking around wondering what would Jesus do? I'm walking around knowing that the life that I live is the life that he lives as me and that I live as him. I'm one with him. I'm, that's where we come back to union. I am in union with him. And as he is, so am I in this present world. You've seen me, you've seen him. <clears throat> now the picture is going to get sharper. It's going to crystallize more. And this year we're going to get into some things that will help us get focused on that picture. The new creation is a fact that we discover the reality of. We discover everything that's involved in this new creation reality. Right? Word number nine is this, rain, R-E-I-G-N, rain, not R-A-I-N, R-E-I-G-N, rain. The gospel of grace is not a vague notion that you get to rule and reign someday when you get to heaven, sweet by and by. Everything back there in, in, in church was about heaven and hell. Securing your eternal future, everything was about that. And one day we were gonna walk on streets of gold, one day we would be uh, have power over every adversary, every every sickness, every disease. We, we would rule and reign one day when we got to heaven in a sweet by and by. And so we, we, we taught it and we, we preached it because we were such failures at living in the kingdom now because we didn't understand reign. The gospel is the royal announcement, and it is a royal announcement, that you are to rule and to reign in the earth today, now. That's what all this revelation is about that's coming forward today. It's about your walk in the earth today. It's about your kingdom standing today. It's not about sweet by and by. It's about the life that we live now, all right? Romans 5, 17 says this, for if death, if sin entered by the death of one man, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, will reign in life, will reign in life, will reign in life. How do you reign in life? You receive abundance of grace. That's, what I, that's why I'm coming back over Grace 101 with you. I want you to receive everything that these words that we use in a grace culture through the lens of Paul, I want you to receive everything, absolutely everything that you can wring out of them down to the last drop. <clears throat> we will reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. So it's, 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 not, it's not honing in on the one man, Adam, that sin entered in through. It's understanding this announcement that when we receive abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness, that we reign right here in life. 
And we're going to talk about that a lot this year. See, we might not have all the answers. That doesn't mean you have, just because you're reigning in life, a king doesn't have all the answers. But we know where to go to get the answers. The one lives in you that has a solution to every dilemma. The spirit of truth lives in you. And if you have questions, here's the verse I wanted a while ago. Hebrews 4.16 says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in the time of trouble. If, you have, if, you're, if you're facing something, you need an answer. Look, go to that throne of grace boldly. But unless you understand the words that we've talked about this morning, unless you understand unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness and union and righteousness and all the things that we've talked about, you will not come to the throne boldly. You will you'll come in like a servant, not a son. You'll come in scraping and bowing. You won't come in and look the father right in the eye and say, Daddy, I got a problem. I need some help. I need a solution here. And you won't be able to hear the answer that comes within, that voice that speaks within us through our conscience and our intuition and our perceptions and our drawings and our leadings. You will be so covered up with the sin consciousness and an unworthiness that you, that's why we never could, could break through before because we were filled with that stuff. So hear me this morning, there's an announcement and you need to know that you have received abundance of grace and you can back the truck up and load up some more and you've received a gift of righteousness. Let it explode, let it expand in your life. So this morning, I want you to know something. I want you to know, and I want you to extend to every person, this grace culture that you and I are part of, this tsunami that's sweeping the earth, and it's only gonna get stronger and bigger and deeper. And the things I'm talking about this morning, I've just kind of given on a surface level because I just, I just, I don't wanna be able to, I don't wanna come back like Paul did to the Galatians and say, some of you, I can't believe how fast away you moved from the gospel that I taught you. And some have already. There are some people that have moved off into, into craziness and weirdness, and some have slipped back into legalism. I, I feel very prompted to tell you this. Just to say this, you take it for what it's worth. If you're still going to a church, if you're going to a building where they're teaching something other than what Paul taught, if you're still being filled with condemnation and guilt, if you're still hearing about a rapture, if you're still hearing all these things that, that are yet to come, that just around the corner, just hang on a little longer, I wanna I want encourage you, get out of it. Slowly get out of your seat, walk to the back door, and when you hit that back door, you sprint to your car and get in there and drive off that parking lot. You don't need to be, you're, it's creating a double-mindedness. You can't come here to the digital cathedral and I'm filling you up with what Paul said. I'm filling you up with grace. And then you go back to a building and listen to a pastor condemn you, ridicule you, tell you how unworthy, how unholy you are, and think that it's all going to work out for you. You're, gonna, you're always going to have a shadow of doubt. It ain't going to work. It just isn't gonna work. I'm sorry, it's not gonna work. You have to make your mind up what, what you're doing here. Now, if you've got a good, strong, solid Grace Church you're going to and you, you watch this during the week, that's great. Let me add to what you're already getting. But that's not the case in most places. So in a Grace culture, a Grace community, we can know and extend to every man that has even got his eyes open just a little bit. All the things we're talking about this morning you're wondering what to teach at your Bible study, at your home group, pick up on one of these 10 words and teach, let this be an outline. I don't, you, you are free to take anything I teach and spread it anywhere. I don't, I don't, this isn't mine. I didn't get it 
from me anyway. So please feel free. Take one of these words and expand on it. I've given you, I'm going to give you 10 words. We're on, we're on number nine right now, rainy. Take one of these 10 and feed your group with it. Don't back up with it. So know this morning you're unconditionally loved. With no conditions attached. You're unconditionally forgiven. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to ask. You don't have to beg, plead. You are unconditionally forgiven with no strings. You're in union with the Lord. You're one with him. You're one spirit with him. I cannot disconnect you from him. There is no division. There's no space. There's no entity. You're as close to him as the vine is to the branch. You are accepted without question. You don't have any hoops to jump through. You don't have any laws to keep. You're fully accept, accepted. You're whole, W-H-O-L-E. You're holy, whole, complete, entire. You lack nothing. You lack nothing. You're righteous. You, you're, you're discovering how righteous you actually are. You'll never be more righteous. Let me say it again. You'll never be more righteous in right standing with God than you are this morning. You don't have to feel you have to crawl your way in before the Father. You are in full right standing with him now you're a new creation. You've already died your death, man. Come on, don't get jacked up in your mind. You have already died your death and you have already resurrected from death to life with Christ, all right? You're royalty. You're to rule and reign. You're not only a priest, you're a king. You are a, a priest and king. And I hope I can get into that priest-king ministry this year because that's the, 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 the king rules in the natural and the priest rules in the spiritual. And they have both come together in you after the order of Melchizedek, which Jesus was of the same order. You are in him. Therefore, you are a king and a priest. David was a king and a priest. Jesus was a king and a priest. Those are the only two that I know in scripture that carried both a kingship and a priesthood where David and Jesus, and Jesus was in the lineage of David, and now you are in the same lineage you are in Christ, so you're a king and a priest. That means you have dominion in the natural and in the spiritual. You've received abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness. You can rule and reign in life through Christ Jesus. So if all those nine are, are true, then word number 10 in a grace culture, this, this sums it up. It's the word complete. You Man, you got the entire package this morning. You have, you have the full package. The gospel of grace gives you that package free, no strings attached, nothing, nothing you have to do to attain it. There's no price tag, no religious effort, no striving, no sweating. It belongs to you. So Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says in verse 9 that in Jesus dwells the fullness, think about this, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead bodily dwelt in Jesus. And verse 10 says that you are complete in him. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you're less than complete. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you're lacking anything. Life is going to be a continual, deeper revelation into the depths of his grace and what we already have. So let these, let me, again, let these 10 words sink deep within. Jesus said, in, in what is it, Luke chapter six, verse 45, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I want, I, I gave you these 10 because I want them to go deep inside so that when you speak, 
What you speak is unconditional love. What you speak is unconditional forgiveness toward everybody. What you speak is union. What you speak is oneness. What you speak uh, are, are, are the totality of the night. And what comes forth out of you is a completeness that you can let people know. You can know first yourself. And as it becomes flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone and you speak it out your mouth, what's gonna come out of you is completeness and wholeness endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's called anointing. All right, now let me just help you. Can you, can you give me five minutes? Can you give me five minutes? Because I want you to always measure everything you hear. And I wanna tell you how to measure it. I want you to measure everything you hear. When you come to the, the digital cathedral, measure it. When you go, if you still go to a church, measure what you hear. If you watch Christian TV, God forbid help you. <laughs> measure what you hear, right? Measure the gospel you're listening to because your ears are not spiritual garbage kids. You don't have to let people put crap in your ears. You don't have to put up with that. So let me, let me give you four, four ways to measure. And this is what I wanted to top this very fundamental message off of for two weeks. Let me help you to measure what you're listening to. You should be able to say yes to these four questions. All right? You should write these down. This makes a great teaching for a Bible study. These four questions you should say yes to. Whenever you hear a message, a teaching, read a book, expose yourself to what is called the gospel. Question number one is this. Does what I'm hearing, does it cause me to fix my eyes on Jesus exclusively? Does it cause me to fix my eyes on Jesus exclusively? In other words, is it Christocentric? Is what I'm hearing helping me to trust in the all-sufficiency of Christ? Is it creating dependency on Christ? Or is there still some dependence on your flesh, your willpower, your decision-making, your free will? See, the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. The gospel is not Jesus plus your decision, Jesus plus your confession, Jesus plus your believing. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus anything is a false gospel. Take it to the bank. So if what you're hearing is Jesus plus you're accepting him into your heart, that's a false gospel. Because Jesus already accepted you into his heart. That's what, come on, man, that's, that's what he died on the cross for. He accepted you into his heart. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he embraced all of humanity at the cross. All right, question number two. Does this message empower me to be free from sin? Is it developing a sin consciousness in me? Is it, is it producing, is what I'm hearing, producing guilt and condemnation? Is what I'm hearing making me feel like, man, I'm in good standing with the Father. He loves me and accepts me just like I am. Does it, does it deal with sin by the law of what you have to do? Or does it deal by grace, which, what he's already done? That's an important question. What, what, is, what is planting into my mind? What is coming into my head from this message that I'm hearing? Is it, is it creating a righteous consciousness or is it creating a sin consciousness? If it's creating a sin consciousness, I would get the heck out of Dodge. I wouldn't listen to it for 20 seconds. All right, question, no, question number three. Is joy being produced and released? Is joy being produced and released? The gospel is joy. Joy and peace come from resting in him. 
So really the underlying question is, is this message producing a peace, a rest in me, or is it, is it creating fear? Is it creating uh, uh, anger or frustration? See, a lot, of, a lot of teachings you listen to are gonna make you frustrated because like it's the carrot out in front, and you know, there's a whip behind, it's driving you toward the carrot, but the carrot never gets closer, it always stays out in front, but the whip is trying to make you a, attain the carrot. That's frustrating, that, that produces fear. That does not produce joy and peace. When you shut the digital cathedral off, you should feel better than when you clicked on. If you're listening to a message, reading a book that doesn't make you feel better, doesn't, doesn't open your eyes wider, then don't, don't take part in it. You don't have time for that nonsense. Is it producing joy? Is it producing peace? Or is it bringing frustration, anger? Is, is, is it bringing a sense of failure? Is it making me feel like I have to exert myself more to, to attain and to have? It's important that what you hear produces joy and peace. All right, number four, this is, this is vital. Number four, is what I'm hearing set me free? Does it set me more free than before I heard it? Am I hearing a message of heavy loads? Am I hearing a message of burdens and obligations? Am I hearing a message that tells me if I don't tithe into the offering plate that I'm cursed with a curse? That doesn't set you free. What sets you free is to hear a message that says, look, if God prompts you to give, give and give what he tells you to give, but it's between you and the Father. That sets you free. That doesn't put a burden on you. <clears throat> Whenever you get this toxic mixture of grace, yes, God has graced your finances, but if you want the windows of heaven to really open, then you better give 10%. I don't care if you can't pay the rent or put groceries on the table for your kids, you better give that 10%. It's what you're hearing just Law, a law full of promises and freedom, but they never deliver. They never get you to where the message is teaching. Then get away from it. Law and grace will hold the grace carrot in front of you, out in front of you, and it will beat you with a stick with law trying to reach it, but you'll never attain it. If you've gone to a church for 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and you're not able to attain what they're teaching, something's wrong. They're not teaching you what you already have. A message of grace, listen, a message of grace leaves you with no debt. No debt. It gives you a savior that's already done all the heavy lifting. He already did it all. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, don't ever become the slave to somebody else. Don't become a slave to the law. Don't become a slave to a mixed message. If the son has set you free, then you are absolutely free indeed. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna proclaim this morning your emancipation with this proclamation. Are you ready? I'm gonna make a little proclamation over you. I proclaim that you no longer will let any man or devil lead you out of grace into works. I proclaim this morning that you will never go back into a works-based message that produces guilt and condemnation. I proclaim over you this morning that for the ages to come, for the ages to come, you're going to discover layer upon layer upon layer of God's grace and God's goodness and God's love for you. And there will never be any end to it, ever any end to it. All through the one man, 
and what he has fully done and accomplished for all humanity, the man Jesus. We are truly blessed. We are truly blessed. So next week, here's what I want to do. I hope you take these 10, these two, these two messages, man, they're very foundational. Just go back over and listen to it and just drink it in. Drink it in as deep as you can. Now, next week, I want to take two weeks. I've still got two weeks left this first month of the year. I want to, <clears throat> I want to talk to you. Actually, I think there's five weeks this month. I got another message I want to teach. I want to take two weeks and I want, to, I want to teach you or talk to you about what we're going to be doing this upcoming year. I think there's 12 things that the Spirit of Truth is going to emphasize to us this next year. So I want to teach a little bit on those so that as we hit on them the new year, you're going to be familiar with it. I'm not going to blindside you with anything. So you don't want to miss next week. For sure you don't want to miss next week. So let me remind you uh, that on the 6th, we're going to begin the Wednesday nights again, but it's going to be at 7 o'clock. It's not going to be at 8 o'clock Central Time. So if you missed it last week, this today's the 10th of January. <clears throat> if you missed it on the 6th, this last Wednesday, it's because we started an hour early. All right? And I try to go just 45 minutes on Wednesday. So if you click the regular time, there was nothing there. So it's 7 o'clock Central. We do the Wednesday Night Live. If you have not joined the Don Keithley ministry page, make sure you do because that's where we do it. And if you haven't subscribed to this channel, make sure you subscribe. When you subscribe, it will, it will give you a notice every time I come on YouTube. It'll, it'll, it'll give you a prompting every time I come on on Sunday morning. So make sure that you, you subscribe to the channel. There's a little thing down that says subscribe. Just click on it and it will subscribe you. I think we have about 38, 3,900 people that have subscribed and, and follow along with us. So God bless you. Hope you picked up something over these last two weeks that was basic, foundational, and uh, fed you with the meat and potatoes. Amen. See you Wednesday night. See you next week as we talk about what God's going to be revealing and showing us in the year that is in front of us. Love all you guys. Thank you for your help, your support. Uh, this is January. It's a good time to, to um, throw your hat in the ring and be part of uh, the team and support us on a monthly basis. It's surely appreciated and it helps us with uh, those that help us with the video and the uploads and the advertising and the website and all the things, little things that nobody ever knows about uh, that go on behind the scenes to make this thing work like it does. So God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night.